Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer and today I've got a pretty special episode of the show. This is the first episode, I suppose, in what you might call the beginning of a post-COVID-19 world because for the first time in, God, nearly two years, I'm joined by two guests who, uh, I'm delighted to say, we're all vaccinated so we've been able to record this in my house. But uh, my two guests are the hosts of a podcast called Snugcast. The first is DJ Walsh. You might remember DJ joined me on a podcast back in pre-COVID times where we talked about drinking in the medieval period. And I'm also joined by Owen, the uh, co-host of the Snowcast. And today we've got a pretty special show because we're going to talk a bit about, because hopefully we're coming to the end of certainly one phase of COVID-19, how it shapes up to probably one of the most famous uh pandemics in history and that's the black death so what we're going to do is we'll have a i suppose you might say a fourth guest in a man who lived here in kilkenny 650 years ago and left us a uh, a record of what it was like to live through the black the black death so i'm going to introduce a couple of discussions where we're going to listen to his words and then we'll see what we think uh, or how covid19 shapes up with the black death and um, before we get into all that i'm going to ask the lads to introduce us introduce themselves dj do you want to go first yeah thanks finn uh my name is dj walsh it's, it's i'm delighted to be back on the irish history podcast i'm a big fan of the podcast um and of yourself and your work and uh yeah co-host of the snowcast podcast with with owen here alongside me um and pre-covid our podcast was pub based where we go and have a couple of pints in the pub and just just talk a bit of nonsense about whatever whatever came to mind um, and obviously then COVID changed that so so we had to go online and yeah um, and and then for my day job then I'm a, a cancer pharmacist in University Hospital Watford. And uh, I can probably echo the exact same things <laughs> as DJ there um, yeah so uh, I suppose long time listener first time caller <laughs> uh, but yeah no so so delighted to be on this and um, can't wait to, to to get this discussion underway. The uh I had the book upside down there, folks, but I, I will start this properly. No, we're going to kick off uh, with, as I say, the fourth guest here today, I suppose, is the ghost of a man that lived in Kilkenny 650 years ago. So 
Uh, I've gone, gone through an account he left of the Black Death and we're going to kick off with the first one because this really struck me about how people in the uh, medieval period might have heard a bit about the Black Death. Now, maybe I should just say a couple of words on the Black Death. Maybe people haven't heard about it. Black Death took place in the late 1340s, early 1350s. And depending on the sources and the accounts you read, it probably kills somewhere in the region of 30 to 50 percent of the population of Europe. Um, we might talk a bit more about it, go into bigger detail, but uh, I'm going to kick off with this quote. This is what uh, John Clinn, the man I'm talking about here, he was a Franciscan friar in Kilkenny, and this is what he heard about the Black Death before it ever arrived. So he says, in the city of Avignon, where the Roman Curia was flourishing and operating, the plague began in the time of Pope Clement VI, from the preceding January when there both the churches and the cemetery of the city were not sufficient to accommodate the bodies of the dead for burying, and the Lord Pope himself arranged for one new cemetery to be consecrated in which the dead killed by the disaster of the plague might be laid, so that from the month of May right up to the translation of St. Thomas, Monday, the 7th of July, 1348, 50,000 50, and more bodies were buried in the same cemetery. Now, John Clinton may well have heard about that, before the Black Death reached Kilkenny, the Black Death wouldn't reach Kilkenny for about six months after the event he talks about there. But uh, the reason I thought that was nice, or sorry, not nice, God, it's not nice. <laughs> the reason I thought that was interesting is that it made me kind of think back to the start of COVID and some of the crazy stories that uh, people heard. And I suppose the first thing I, just, I was thinking back to is the first time I heard of COVID. I remember my brother showing me... Um, a video from a hospital in China where there was just huge overcrowding, people wearing masks, coughing, and you looked at this scene, and I, it was at Christmas uh, 2019, what that? Yeah. Yeah, tw yeah, Christmas, and I remember looking at it going, that's just not true, or like in no way having any, you know, where you're kind of going, is this like maybe some like conspiracy theories against China, or, you know, you're kind of, it's so remote, do you remember the first time you came across COVID and what your reaction was? Uh, yeah, I suppose uh, for me, uh, it was a similar thing where it was one of those WhatsApp videos that was being sent around. And for me, it was it was people in China collapsing on the street was like and in uh, subway stations and stuff over there, like of this, like groups of people like being bundled over a coffin. I was like, what is this? This it does. It didn't seem real at the time. And even reflecting back on it, I don't know how how real was that was that video curated in terms of like what actually COVID transpired to be. So it was very it was very much so uh, Dawn of the Dead kind of esque uh, video that was coming along. Um, and again, I suppose we will probably touch on it later, but uh, maybe a bit of fear mongering kind of going on there. Um, but obviously with touches of reality. But yeah, um, again, I suppose that that uh, WhatsApp kind of phenomenon was kind of my, my kind of start of it anyway, of finding out about it. Yeah, and it, it, I suppose there's this element that I had in terms of obviously, on with our professional lives, we, we, we would subscribe to a lot of medical journals and, and um, you know, we'd get these emails that would be like, you know, alert, medical alerts from around the world. And fairly frequently, you might see an email that would say like, you know, um, uh, new respiratory disease in in some part of the world and it actually happens so frequently that you get this kind of um, cognitive dissonance from it all and you're kind of like oh like especially given the fact that in fairness like southeast asia and and, and, and the, the eastern world in, in particular are really good at um stopping the spread of these 
um, the, like SARS kind of, and stuff e- like yeah. exactly yeah and MERS so so we've we've had this experience before about a respiratory virus a respiratory illness this kind of novel respiratory illness in that part of the world um, and, and that it didn't spread so my first coming across it was literally an email popped up saying new um, respiratory virus discovered in Wuhan in China and source unknown and like a little brief outline of the symptoms so I had no, it, it, it didn't ring any bell to say that this was in any way dangerous to, to Europe or the Western world. Um, so that was how I first came across it. And it's, it's really interesting to say that, like, you know, you go on then to, to have you know, 650, 660 years ago, uh, a, um, a Franciscan and Kilkenny talking about, you know, these mass burial graves or, or, or lack of capacity with, with burial sites very quickly. In the turn of the new year, then we, we, we came into these videos of, um, you know, China building hospitals at a scale that we've never seen before and and burial sites being built at a scale that we've never seen before. So um, I suppose it, it definitely links up in terms of the early reports that way. Definitely echoes history that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I'm just actually I'm looking at I'm, you might be able to hear the return of pages in the background at home and I'm actually looking through. Literally, John Clint's account of the Black Death in 1348, and obviously that transpired to be an awful lot worse than COVID, or certainly the medieval world didn't have the capacity to deal with it. And I'm actually just noticing before that he had talked about events that were going on in Dublin, actually, um, in the summer of 1348. And it would be a lot a while uh, before it would actually reach Kilkenny. It wasn't really until probably Christmas 1348 that it reached here. Um, and in that, just before he talks about Rome, actually, he talks about Dublin and Drogheda have been almost destroyed, wasted of inhabitants, and that in Dublin alone, the beginning from the beginning of August, August right up to Christmas, fourteen thousand men died. And again, these are huge exaggerations. Like at the time, like the population of Dublin was probably about ten thousand people, but it's probably as well that thing of people trying to gain some sense of like what does the, you know we are trying to grasp onto reality. Yeah. I think that is a an interesting one because obviously I think. No matter where people are listening to this, I think one feature of COVID-19 has been conspiracy theories, be it like the totally wild ones that would almost say that like uh, COVID didn't exist. True to the more, I suppose, um, maybe tweaking of COVID and the nature of the disease. But it was, it's funny, in the medieval world, they had their own version of uh, conspiracy theories. And then as he goes on to talk about it, now, obviously, it's a, this I suppose, it, it's conspiracy of, of a kind, but it's more of a, maybe a, a, a medieval kind of millenarian prophecy. But he spends a lot of time talking about this, and he talks about the high cedar of Lebanon will be set on fire, and at the same time, Tripoli will be destroyed and Acre captured. The Margrave will overcome the world, and Saturn will, will lie in ambush for Jupiter. The bat will drive away the leader from, I can't read the next word, and then it says, within 15 years, there'll be one faith and one God, and the other will have vanished, and the sons of Jerusalem will be freed from captivity. A certain race will be born without a head. Woe to the clergy and the unfruitful. And he kind of goes on to talk about this. Um, he finishes off, actually, this section, and he says, in such calmness, news will be heard of a new Antichrist. Be vigilant. And I get, like it's not quite the conspiracy theories we obviously have today, but I think what he's it's his understanding. It's how he relates to this. And they go for this, I suppose, the supernatural understanding. And it's a bit mixed in maybe with some histories as well, because he talks about uh, the fall of Acre, which had fallen in 1291. But I think it. when I was reading that, and I've read it a couple of times, I wrote a book on the Black Death years ago, but like I've, I've read 
this stuff more recently and you kind of, you know, you reflect back on your own life. You can't. But I look at that and I'm going, yeah, conspiracy theories are probably the same thing. It's where like the world as you know it is kind of falling around, falling apart around you to a certain degree or another, you know. And then someone comes up with a fantastical extreme uh, explanation that can ex- that can explain everything. So for him, he's kind of got, like, you know, obviously references to God, the Antichrist, that can explain this chaotic situation. But um, yeah, I think here we had the similar stuff in the beginning. There was, I suppose, not conspiracy. Well, yeah, they were conspiracy theories. I remember just around when lockdown started, the WhatsApp uh, voice messages about the army about to be sent out onto the street. And I was only thinking about that when you guys were coming up. I was thinking, like, you know, what were the the the, the stages of that first lockdown? And uh, that was definitely one of those, like, you know, quite, I don't know, it was anxious or alarming, like, definitely feeding into that, like, strain, because you don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Um, but I remember that, uh, that uh, uh, WhatsApp message, and you're kind of wondering... Yeah, this sounds very unlikely, but given that the rate of change of everything that's going on, you're going, well, maybe the government might have to, like, you know, send soldiers out to forcibly close shops so that people wouldn't go with the lockdown. I don't know, did you come across any uh, memorable conspiracies or... That army one was 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 definitely, like, I think we all we all came across that. I think as well that the, the army one was so shocking because, you know, obviously, Finn, you've got listenership around the world. Like, we have a very... We have basically an, a negligible military presence on the streets in Ireland, and that's why the concept of the army going around the streets would be a, a like complete extreme for Ireland. Um, and I think as well, there were there were some mad conspiracy theories. That, you know that this was bi- biological warfare was, was was one that was being put around um, quite a lot. And I think I think it's it's quite obvious that <clears throat> to me it seems quite obvious that it, like this is ultimately the <laughs> like you know extractivism and and deforestation means that we're going to come come in in, in contact with a lot more of these um zoological born viruses that that we otherwise wouldn't have if we left some of them, them habitats alone i think that's like the natural progression of, of, of the way the world is going as opposed to you know there, there was some mad conspiracy theories around um that that covid was cultivated in a lab and and and, and the, i think there was one at one stage that um that it, it, it was like um almost a Cold War style spy spy kind of um, warfare thing that had gone awry and that basically that they were threatening each other and it was an accidental leak was another one that that I think that came up on a, on a Reddit stream or something like that at one stage. And I think as well, like, uh, it's certainly John Clinton's time, it was, you know, the, the, there was the supernatural and the natural and a lot of the, the theories were born out of just those two different worlds whereas we have so much access to so much information in this information age the capacity for a variety of conspiracy theories like just kind of um plumes out of that and and, and uh, i couldn't i i couldn't keep up with the conspiracy theories between march and june last year yeah it's interesting to think of conspiracy theories just as a concept in themselves isn't it like it's it's based off a lack of, of understanding for a, a, a thing. So in, in this in this scenario, we're talking about COVID-19 and back then it was the Black Death and, you know, you're trying to find that solution and that solution then was maybe a religious element back then. Um, and as, as DJ was saying there, it's kind of, you know, we have so much information now that you can kind of think up of anything as an, as an answer. But it's also kind of, interesting to see like let's take cancer as a as an illness for example there is so much 
um, understanding about cancer um, and you don't get as many conspiracy theories about cancer as a, as a disease group, you know, whereas like this at the start there, there was there was no understanding at all about it. Um, and, and therefore people were able to just kind of jump on and like think of things. I think one of the big conspiracy theories that kind of came out was the use of masks and like what, you know, do we use them? Don't we use them? Uh, can, can it stay on the mask? Are you breathing in? Who's been protected? You know, it, uh, you know, and it, it's still going on and um, that kind of lack of understanding and, and we don't have the evidence still. And obviously as we're kind of coming along now to the kind of mass vaccination area, vaccines are a huge, huge kind of conspiracy theory for people as to how effective they are, or how or, or how not effective they are, um, and you know what's yeah. what what's going to what's what are going to be the long term effects of it, you know. So I, I, I was going to say, if and I can I can dispel the Bill Gates five G conspiracy theory <laughs> because. I live in Rorick, Kenny, as you know, and I haven't had phone coverage since I've got the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. <laughs> the, um, yeah, what I find really interesting is, sort of, I suppose, if we're talking about like the uh, the history of a really recent event, like COVID, and it's like we're talking about the history of something that's happened in the last two years, that you can go back like nearly seven centuries, and human reaction, you know, it's it's it, it's similar. It's not the same, but it's similar in that we. You know, people want um, answers. Yeah, they want simple ones. Like, yeah. and you know, giving someone a book and going, "Look, you know, you need to read that, and maybe read a couple of different theories about this, and somewhere in there, you'll find something that helps you." It's not comforting, no. you know. It re and even like during COVID, you're kind of going, "God, I wish," you know, in a way, some of this you could just like that. Someone could tell me this is the answer. This is how long this is going to last for. Um, and I suppose the rise of one thing that I kind of took from this is the rise of conspiracy theories is alarming in terms of like how society functions and how we deal with problems. Because if, you know, conspiracy theories don't help us deal with problems because we tend to, if we were to believe them, we would tackle a different problem. And that's not the issue. 
But in a way, seeing that that's a human reaction, maybe throughout the ages, is a bit more comforting in that, like, this is what humans do and we can get past this. But um, Do you think um, about, like, say, the, like, the proliferation of, like, these conspiracy theories, like, back in the Black Death era, would, you know, you know there's this account that you've, you've written here, or that's, that's here. Um, I wonder how far that would have gone out into society. Like, how many people would have, like, taken that as gospel as opposed to, you know, the Twitterati out there now? Of- I think I think people, for like, for, from reading around the Black Death, like, it's not uncommon to find these all across Europe. How much an, illiter- an illiterate population has access to these, we'll never know. But you'd have to imagine, like, John Clinton was a very educated guy, Inkle Kenny, in the 1340s. If he's saying it, around now you know people aren't meeting up as much you know people did actually i suppose it to one degree or another socially isolate during the 1340s as well because they just knew if you met someone and they had it you're going to get it um but you know you'd have to think if quote unquote thought leaders of the 1340s are saying it, it must have been and i think but it's i suspect it's it's a much wider it's just a human reaction and that if you don't have access to other information then you may just settle on the easiest most straightforward yeah what stood out for me with this especially around the issue of access to information is in this information age what i found is the interpretation of the information as well has been a big issue with covid conspiracy theories especially one as you rightly bring up masks and what i what i found when i when you take a step back and look back at what was happening was you know an institute in say vienna for example uh, did it would do a study on the transmission of COVID nineteen and people who were wearing you know surgical masks, but that might be a very um, controlled study about just a, a unique aspect. And the thing, the, the the problem that people have in trying to understand this is 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 a very complex, multifactorial, like no two situations when you meet someone during a pandemic are the same. The settings are different. The wind direction is different. The humidity in the air is different. And we didn't even fully understand. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic that this was an aerosol airborne based virus there was a, a huge focus on droplets and and surfaces when actually you know we didn't get to understand that until the the, the lived experience of, of of the pandemic came through so e- even not even just conspiracy theories but our understanding of the virus kind of had to evolve over time as well um, and again that was purely based on not just um taking conspiracy theories that, that were founded off poor information, but even good, good reliable information being interpreted poorly at the time and having to adapt to that lived situation was, was, was a big factor. Yeah, and I agree, I agree with, um, say, vaccines again. Like, like, I found a lot of, say, some of the headlines that might have come out with regards to studies, it would have been um, a COVID-19 vaccine gives you six months immunity. But that's only because six months of data has been collected you could actually get nine months or a year, but that, you know, we haven't had the vaccine that far. So now recently, nine months of immunity has been shown with the COVID-19 vaccine. But it's that, I suppose, it's that interpretation of that headline, like COVID-19 vaccine gives you six months immunity. And you can interpret that as, is that all? Is that all I get from it? Rather than actually it's six months now, How for, like with another study now, it'll be six, nine or 12, but we have to wait for that data to be released. The um, I think I suppose one thing that I wanted to do and bring the John Clinn to the table is this has been a tremendously difficult time I think for everyone who's lived through it. There's no question, 
about that and what I'm about to say. I'm not in any way trying to underplay the severity of COVID and the difficulties, but I suppose is like how it shapes up. How does this shape up what we've lived through, through past experiences? And what John Clinton had to say about his experience in the 1340s, if he was here, I suppose I'm, I'm the 650-year-old man in this conversation. And it's, uh, it's uh, so he says, as he continues his account, and he goes, it was not heard from the beginning of the world for so many men to have died of plague, famine, and other infirmities in such a time, for there was an earthquake that stretched for many miles and swallowed and overthrew cities, villes, and castles. That disease entirely stripped villes, cities, castles, and towns of inhabitants of men, so that scarcely anyone would live in them. The plague was so contagious that those touching the, the, that those touching the dead, or even the sick, were immediately infected and died. And one and the one confessing and the confessor were together led to the grave. And because of fear and horror, men scarcely ventured out to discharge works of piety and mercy, namely visiting the sick and burying the dead. And for many died from carbuncles and from ulcers and from pustules that could be seen on shins and under the armpits. Some died as if in a frenzy from pain of the head, other di- others from spitting blood. This year was unusual beyond custom, full of wonders and many unusual signs, yet fairly fertile and abundant, even though full of death and mortality. And then he actually gives one very personal account of the tragedy. He said, in the convent of the miners of Drogheda, that's a name for the Franciscans, 25, and in Dublin of that same order, 23, died from the beginning up to Christmas. And they would probably be people that he knew. But I guess in that, like, now that's a very dramatic account of the Black Death. But certainly by the time the play came to an end, we're talking about 30 40% of the populations of earth, of cities, maybe like Dublin, had died. And it's in very quick time, like far quicker than COVID has been for us, six months, because essentially those people saying let it rip through the population, the Black Death ripped through the population. But in the grand scheme, how will this shape up in, you know, like it's very hard for us to have historical perspective on what we've just lived through. Um, and part of me goes, well, compared to the Black Death, you know, it's it's not going to be a pandemic on that level, or is it because that we have had science to to really stop the worst effects of it, and that people who got sick were, in many cases, able to go to hospital? And obviously, tragically, like we've we've had like large numbers of deaths, but maybe not on the scale, you know, obviously that he talks about there. But yeah, like how is it because of science? Like, have we, in some ways, I'm kind of hopeful that I think as a society that we have tackled one problem to, you know, in a, in, like it, there's been huge gaping holes in the way it's done. And I don't mean Ireland, I mean across the world, that like within a year we're getting on top of this, the plague came back every 10 years for several centuries. Um, it doesn't appear, touch wood, that that's what's going to happen with COVID. I think we've op- we've much greater capacity to cope and react. Like we had the DNA sequence to COVID very rapidly, and within six months we had a vaccine. But I think where, and I, and I hope history reflects this, where we have massively fallen down is are things like social constructs that have impeded the global response. So stuff like like patent protection and stuff like this for vaccines. Where I think, you know, you look at you look at we're here now. We're able to have few cans in your house um, and we're privileged to be able to do that now where versus people in india people in brazil at the moment have no there's no end in sight um, and i think there's this 
Um, we, we know an awful lot more in this day and age than they did in 1348. So I, I think we're in a privileged situation that we could be afforded to do a lot more, but we're not. Um, we're not doing it. And I, I think that's the one thing where I'm a bit reserved about this is saying, like, you know, there, there, would, there would have been an awful lot of capacity to deal with this globally a lot quicker if we used all the tools that were available to us and we didn't. And that's where I'm a bit skeptical about, you know, preventing this happen again. Will, 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 will we let, like, will we foolishly again put the concept of, of the global economy ahead of public health? Because what we've, like, absolutely been demonstrated in the last 16, 17 months is the global economy is dependent on robust healthcare, robust, um, robust public healthcare for people and to make sure that the, the population, the force, the workforce, the people who drive, you know, those global economies are, are healthy and that we don't, we don't provide barriers to that. And I, I do think we've missed a trick in terms of um, allowing, a, a, it's, it's almost like, you know, history will, I think history will be written by people who will say, like, weren't Ireland great and the US great and, and the Western world was great that they donated vaccines to X, Y and Z. But we only started doing that when we were happy enough that we had enough for ourselves. And I think there's a, you know, it's very hard to articulate it well, how I feel about it. But we, we've certainly, I don't, I don't think we've, we've, we've been in this together globally. Um, and, and again, I think like the Black Dead was pretty much confined to Europe in the main, if I'm not mistaken. Slightly yeah, slightly. <laughs> you know, and again, that again, that could just be the way history was written. That we we, we mainly have European accounts, but yeah, for sure. No, no, but like that's. I think that's yeah. where the most memorable stuff. Exactly. Like it, it affected China and India as well. But again, it's as you say. It, I think it probably to an extent reinforced your point. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, and I think that there's a bit of um, it, it's quite difficult to to grasp the fact that. You know, while we've had magnific magnificent feats of science and we've had great sacrifice by people in social distancing and sacrificing here their lives, we've also let down the global south in particular in, in how we've dealt with it um, once we've once we identified that we had vaccines that were. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose I'm trying to think of it now from more of a. Uh I suppose, a, a, a future mindset. We're still quite in the middle. What are we, June 2021 20, now, where we're recording this podcast? And we're still kind of in the midst of it. It's kind of hard to reflect, isn't it? On, oh, it really is. Yeah, on, yeah. On, like, it hasn't passed, and it's very hard. Um, but what I do think about is um, we had a live YouTube podcast uh, there at the very start, um, and in it, we were kind of, kind of surmising, what will this be like post COVID? What, what, you know, what will people do? You know, what, um, and we said, you know, we, we believed at the time that there might be a fear, um, a lingering fear of, you know, will people ever kind of step foot into a pub again or into it? Will they step social situations? Social si yeah, exactly. Yeah. And w will they, well, like, I, th I think there might be, um, definitely some bit of lingering, um, fear, I suppose, over you know, on, on certain people that maybe, yeah, some I, I think though, I have to say, so I got vaccinated, uh, I'm vaccinated about a month now because of an underlying mm -hmm. condition. No, I don't know anyone with a vaccine, so don't contact me. No, but I got underlying, I was lucky in that regard that I have an underlying condition, oddly. Um, but I have to say, prior to that, I was like really, really maybe even overly cautious ar around COVID, but very quickly my attitude s 
shifted a lot and anything that where I guess I was taking a risk for myself I just stopped taking or I, I just did what I wanted to obviously you keep on you know like the, the wider measures because we're protecting each other and we still don't know whether I'm carrying it and passing it on or whatever but I do think I, I would have thought God the world has changed in terms of social interaction I think when we get to that point where like you know if we can get to herd immunity say in Ireland um if you can hear something in the background, that's my dog, Bill. But anyway, um, the but I do think we are going to get to a point. And I, again, actually, if you look at, like, people often talk about how the Black Death transformed the world. And often, though, that's kind of exaggerated in that it probably took place in a, in a time that where huge change was already underway. Um, and I think, like, and I, you know, the comparison between the Black Death and something like the plague, I'm just not sure you can we can really relate to that, given what we have... You know, that given that we had a health system that was able to help people that probably would almost certainly have died without it. But I do feel that I think we will go back to the, the social situations. Like, there's going to be people grieving, and I think that's going to yeah. be a huge thing. Uh, that's, that's what I was going to say. Like, there's, like, the personal accounts there that he has at the end of that excerpt. Um, and, I, like, one quote that really um, stuck out to me was kind of in our lockdown 2.0, coming into Christmas there when or when it kind of started spiking again all of the cases and deaths started spiking that um, someone said to me you know it's gone from numbers to names you knew somebody mm. at that point at Christmas you you'd ha- you had heard of someone who had gotten COVID and you know luckily I haven't been affected by anybody who's died from it but you know there is going to be um, I think some sort of like lingering grief as you suppose for like in the country I think people will have known people so it's going to be uh, not interesting isn't the word but um, it's, it's, it's going to be a change I think in the mentality of, of the Irish population but, but our, our relationship with that is a lot different than it was in 1348 as well and like we're, we're in a we live in a in a time where you can live in Australia or New Zealand and if a loved one dies you can be back for the funeral um, whereas you know Covid took that previously known capacity to grieve with your loved ones away from it a, a huge section of the world as well so yeah. i think i think that the societal uh, damage will be a lot of people not being able to grieve and trying to process that grief over a much longer period of time actually interestingly just when we're talking about this and I might wrap it up on this one but after the black death one thing that people noted and it's a thing that people noted not just you know i'm not talking about one account like across the continent and even beyond people talked about um not that, that kind of people became more individualistic and maybe almost even selfish on the back of it because, you know, he's talking there about how, say, people wouldn't bury the dead and in some cases, say, priests wouldn't come and give the last rites out of very understandable kind of human yeah. fear. Um, I would wonder, though, will we have a different reaction? And I know, like, totally taking into account all the stuff that you said, DJ, but at the same time, one of the big narratives, like, I guess people like yourselves, but like health workers continued to, to go to work and didn't go, do you know what, I'm not going to go in because obviously, particularly at the start where there wasn't adequate PPE and stuff like that, where the risks were enormous. Um, and we still didn't really understand the disease either then. And I just wonder, will we kind of have different takeaways than that if that was the uh, takeaway from the, the in the 1340s that it had? And again, now I think, 
I was talking to somebody else on another podcast about this and I was saying that I, I just didn't know, this was back in the first lockdown and I just didn't know uh, would it have the same impact they were asking me about the Black Death again. And I do wonder because the death toll is so much lower, are we going to be talking about it? You know, I, I, you know, if that was a tidal wave, um, are we talking about, a, you know, just a normal, you know, a, a significant event, but not this like uh, generation defining, era defining uh, event you know that like if we move on and in five years time you know COVID will be significant I'm not saying it definitely will be but that we may have moved beyond it you know in maybe ways that they couldn't in the, in the... I, th- I think we'll move beyond it quite quickly yeah. I, I, I think it'll I think people will revert to quote unquote normality quite quickly afterwards because I think you know I think life goes on and it'll be quite fast paced. But I think from a, an overall overarching societal aspect, I would hope we would be more collectivistic in our outlook and that we would think of the greater good a, a bit more. And I think as well, I think you'll see large parts of society will want to do that. But it's very hard to see, um, you know, I, I, you would hope that people would appreciate the smaller things in life a bit more, like you said, the, the, like, um, like like you, I think you hinted at there, Finn. We we found out very quickly in COVID that the 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 workforce that we rely on most are people stacking shelves in supermarkets, people you know delivering food and and stuff like that. People who are not lauded as everyday heroes, people who are certainly not rewarded with riches. Um, so I would like to think that we would appreciate those type of people an awful lot more. But I'm not sure if we will. Like it it's it's. I, I found, even as you've touched on, and it's the same for me myself, I also have an underlying health condition. So when I was vaccinated, I became an awful lot more lax and a bit more accepting of, of, of social norms very quickly. And I think we both maybe have fallen back into that a lot quicker than maybe I would have thought I would have, uh, definitely. No, I definitely. Okay, I'm going to give the last word to Owen and uplifting him in this conversation to finish off on. No, I think I, I think I'm going to echo Darren's thing. I think there probably will be um, some bit of a bounce back of collectivism. I think people, say, who were working in Dublin and mightn't have gone home to their parents at the weekends or, you know, things like that. I think there'll be a bit more of that now. And I think um, people kind of, people definitely appreciate, like if you see, the, if you see, to give a nod to our podcast, if people see the pubs and how rammed they are, people are loving kind of life at the yeah. moment. And I think it's, it's great to see. And I hope it continues that people kind of support the businesses and everybody who kind of struggled throughout the lockdown. Okay, we're going to finish it up there. I want to thank, thank the two lads for coming up and recording this. If you want to hear more, I think we're going to record uh, a snugcast. So if you go search out Snugcast, you'll hear us talking there where it'll probably be a little more free-flowing and I'm <laughs> not sure what we're going to talk about there. But We, um, we won't be talking about the Black Death. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, I hope you've all enjoyed this. I guess this is another episode in the uh, Writer's Block series, but uh, I'm hoping to have that sorted and get back to the War of Independence at some point in the very near future. But uh, I hope you all have a good week, folks, and that, yeah, I hope you're all doing well. Until next time, Sloan.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.